0: Hello and welcome to the KFS podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. His show Arun considers was nominated in the YouTube Streamy Awards and he is also sculpting the future of streaming television at Netflix as a metadata guru. Please welcome Mr. Arun Narayanan.
1: Hi, I am happy to be here.
0: Best podcast, coming to you live. How did you, um, how how and when did you start, you know, filmmaking? And how did that come about? Come about? Uh,
1: I started when I was at uh, university. Um, I went to Brandeis University, which is a small college outside of Boston, um, Massachusetts, in the U.S. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, which is uh, pretty close to there. Um, and I... You know, growing up, I had no an, uh, idea that there was even a film industry, that there was that people made movies. They didn't know anything. So it wasn't really uh, on my mind at all until I was in college. And in college, there was this TV station on campus. It was like this campus TV station. And I joined mm-hmm. that kind of as just like a club activity, probably similar to what you guys are doing here. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, we started making short films and stuff. Um, but the very first thing we did actually was this... Uh, like we tried to do a BTV news, BTV Brandeis television was the, the TV station. Um, and we made like a news show. But the problem was it took us so long to make the news show that like by the time the show would get done, like the news was old. So like it didn't, so like we were, we were like, this is no fun. It's taking us too much time. Uh, but it at least was like, A learning experience we started to get to use these cameras and stuff and there was not much oversight because there wasn't really a a film program at the school Um, and so through that tv station we started making like more fun things so really the the first thing that i uh like really consider my own thing that i made was uh this uh sitcom kind of thing called sits it's it's called slice and dice um and uh it's uh yeah like a a campus set uh we we used to call like friends but at brandeis that's sort of the idea
0: yeah. Okay, so uh, so this is a sitcom. So your first work was a comedy as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it must be difficult writing comedy um, because uh, whenever I try to write, it comes off as mostly like, yeah, will anyone laugh at this ever? I'll read, a, read the line two times and it's like, no, that's not funny. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, I think that's why when, like, stand-up comedians, the way they write is by actually performing the jokes in front of people and, like, hearing the laughter. And so now when you hear the laughter, then you know that it's funny, right? But, like, if you're just sitting in your head, it's hard. I mean, yeah, I don't do stand-up, so I, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, but at a certain point, it's just like, are you making yourself laugh? Or are you making your friends laugh? And if, there's, if there are enough people that you think, do think it's funny, then you can assume hopefully that more and more people think it's funny. So. But you got to trust your gut. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think you're funny.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, course. thanks. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't think of myself as like a comedy writer in the sense of, you know, I'm not trying to like do joke punchline, joke punchline all the time, mm. you know? So, and mm. I think that in a way makes it, uh, Easier. I mean, at least for me. I mean, to to me, like I'm more interested in ideas and stories, and like the humor. I think naturally should come out of that stuff, or it, it naturally comes out of that stuff for me. But mm. it, it's not joke first, you know. Whereas, like for I think some comedy yeah. writers, it is just joke first. So I think for, so. In that sense, it's like I uh, I don't know. I don't I don't worry as much about is it funny, you know. It, it, I, it's That's, hey. I, I just like i assume that a little bit of it will be to somebody <laughs> yeah,
0: of course and it is very evident from your work like um, it's uh, it's very genuine thanks and, um it connects with people like it connects with me of course like when i first watched the series it, it connected with me in a way i did not think it would hmm. um and um, it, it's actually a very it's a very innovative series it's about um, you thinking about things yes yeah. <laughs> Right, and it's an internal monologue that keeps on going.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And do do your um, like do you sometimes feel you're walking on the street and suddenly you're like in that f- frame of mind? You're just thinking about like how funny that that guy is standing over there wearing a weird jacket, something like that. Has it has that ever happened to you that you're just in in the normal course of your life you're just like suddenly you're like oh no. I'm doing this. I mean, in a room, considers episode. I'm
1: just—it's just like happening in real life. Uh, not not exactly, but sort of. I mean, I, all of the episodes are in some way or another inspired by actual, you know, thoughts I had just in the moment. I mean, I, you know, uh, not always, but. Um, I mean, ideally what will happen in those cases is that then I realize I'm having those thoughts and then I write it down and then I can actually like use those thoughts for something like a, an episode. But so, so in a way it ends up interrupting the flow of it. So it couldn't happen in real life because, but before it could happen, I start writing it down and then it's not real anymore. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, like the, the other day I was showing, I, w- I wrote the script. Okay. And I was showing to one of uh, one of our assistant coordinators here, and he just told me that this is so bad. <laughs> Why are you writing this? It's, I, but when you get into the flow, you it's it's like the best thing ever. Yeah, no, I love it.
1: Yeah, that's that's what we do it for. I think.
0: Yeah, the flow is where everything is. It's amazing. So uh, I understand that your first uh, first job was at PepsiCo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, so even though I was doing film stuff in college, I didn't think of it as a career yet. I, I was basically doing it because it was a fun kind of thing to do. And, uh, I almost thought of it as like a business experience, you know, it's like, um, I'll put this on my resume as like one of the clubs that I was a part of and I rose to a leadership position and all that kind of thing. Um, Mm. and so I majored in economics and I, uh, you know, wanted to have like a practical career. And so Mm -hmm. I uh, was applying to jobs and, you know, from home in Connecticut. And um, this job at Pepsi seemed like it, you know, a good like first job. And it it was like, it was, you know, I got a company car and like, I got a lot of freedom and, you know, very -hmm. good salary to start with. But like, I did not like the job at all. Like I just found it so boring. And so like, um, I was just, I just, I don't know. I was like imagining my future from there like I was like okay well I guess maybe I could like transition into something more creative from here something like marketing yeah, or something yeah. but then the more I thought about it like the more I was like well if that's what I want to do then shouldn't I just like do film and so like that's what I actually en- enjoyed doing and in- when I was in college so so yeah then I uh, applied to graduate school to film school at uh, USC um, U- University of Southern California um, which is where I am, yeah. I'm in LA now um, but, uh, yeah, so I applied to that. And then when I got into that, I, I quit the Pepsi job. So I, I didn't even last a full year at Pepsi. Um, but, but it was, it was an all right job though.
0: So, yeah, I, I understand what you went through. Actually, we are going through the same thing right now. Mm. Uh, right. So, uh, so I mean, does film school actually, um, how much did film school help you in, uh, you know, um, Uh, you know, like developing your abilities? Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's helpful in some ways. And it's, I would argue, it's actually harmful in some ways. Um, It's just that you have to be, you have to be smart about how you learn, if that makes sense. I mean, basically, like, you know, film school, you're, you're subject to a lot of opinions. So like you're making your uh, short films and, Uh, writing your scripts and things and you're putting it in front of a lot of people. So it's like your classmates and your professors. And so getting feedback from them, it just depends on how much you trust their feedback. So like if, uh, if you really think that these guys have good opinions and they're actually, they understand what you're trying to do with your work and they, uh, the feedback they're giving you seems to be like helpful to that vision that you have, then yeah, it it can be very helpful to your abilities. But then there are a lot of people that, you know, people have different tastes and not everyone is going to understand exactly what you're doing. And so there are some people who I think, you know, feel like, oh, if, every, if that person says it's bad, then it must be bad. But that's not true. Like, you know, one person thinks everything is bad. You know, like even the, the greatest Oscar winning movie, there are some people who hate it. So like a, a lot of film school, I think, in terms of developing your abilities is about learning to handle feedback and learning to handle like uh, which things are actually going to develop your abilities and which aren't. Um, so
0: Okay. All right. Um, okay, so I mean, um, so you must have uh, some sort of uh, inspiration, right, uh, to pursue film. Do You have like a favorite director or like a good movie you want to recommend, so that I can also watch it and get inspired.
1: Uh, hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, I can tell you about some of the movies that made me want to be in, like into in film. Like I, I think the movies that made me most interested in film for the first time were ones that, um, you know, when I was young, I was like probably, I was a teenager of some kind. So like movies that that made me think about the medium, I think. And those are ones that um, like really played with time and things like that. So like Memento was one of the first movies that really inspired me. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, So like these movies that like played with your mind, you know, in a way that I didn't think... uh, I didn't know that movies could do that until I saw movies like that. Um, so yeah, I would say those two. And then uh, another Jim Carrey movie, uh, the Truman show. Um, if uh, Yes. Yes. Is, no. That's, uh, I still have
0: doubts. At my, I just look at myself at the mirror and think, yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that movie like changed the way I think about the world, you know? And uh, so that, that, I still consider that my favorite
0: movie, actually, The Truman
1: Show. Um, so yeah,
0: sometimes, sometimes things just happen, which are like, it feels like it's written. It's like it's like yeah. who is watching this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so good. Why did I not think of this?
1: Yeah, yeah, and the think also that movie was made before, like the you know reality television was as big as it became, and before like you know this hypermedia world that we live in now where like everybody's just recording everything and putting it online like that he was that he was doing that before everybody else you know uh the Truman Show yeah uh
0: so basically like uh, your first job at PepsiCo did uh did your were your parents happy after you quit this job I mean you have Indian parents yeah yeah no
1: great question <laughs> um I'd say so my parents have always been very supportive They, uh, you know, I had a lot of, you know, there's a lot of family, friends and other Indian folks that we knew that had a lot stricter parents than my parents were. So like, I do feel lucky in that sense. So like, they were never pushing me and my brother to be like engineers or doctors or anything necessarily. They were just kind of like, do what you like doing as long as you can support yourself. And so that's the only part where it was like, you know, financially, going to going into the film industry is not a smart decision. And it's just like, it says so few people actually are able to sustain themselves with a career in film. It's just yeah. like, um so, you know, in that sense, they were, like, worried, I mean, particularly my dad, but they didn't, you know, they were not going to stop me, and they knew that, like, I would really love doing this stuff, and they'd seen even through, I think because also, like, I came to it kind of gradually, because, you know, I was making this, these films and stuff in college and, like, I was still trying to pursue the practical career path, you know? And so, yeah, I, and yeah. so in a way, it was, like, I tried it, you know? I tried it and, like, I don't think it was for me. And so, oh, yeah, they were uh, supportive when I decided to apply to film school, get into film school, go to, go to L.A. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, like, since I've been out in Los Angeles, which I've been here for uh, t- almost 10 years now, um, you know, the first few years, I think... Well, the first few years as in grad school, so that's one thing. But then, a couple of years after I graduated, we're pretty like dicey. I mean, it's hard to make a living out here, um, and so, especially when you're first getting started. And so, you know, there are a few years where my parents were certainly like worried. <clears throat> Excuse me, but they, you know, they were never like the sort of worried where they'd be like, "Okay, well, time to switch over to med school, or time to switch over to," you know. They ne- they never really did anything like that. Um, so it was really just up to me to kind of figure it out for myself. Um, which I'm very glad of, but it also does result in a lot of anxiety, too, of your own. So it's like, you know, if your parents yeah. aren't giving you that anxiety, you're giving it to yourself. So, you know, exactly. it's, so it's still it's still a little nerve-wracking in terms of, you know, trying to make sure I have, like, steady ground to stand on as far as a career goes. But, like, you know, over, eventually I felt like I got there. You know, it took a while. But, um, you know, at this point I feel pretty good about where I'm at. So, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, sure. Like Netflix is a steady ground. Yeah, standard. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, your job at Netflix, it's um, it's like uh, it's on metadata. It's, yeah. Uh, it's based on your watch list or some kind. Could you explain that to us?
1: Sure, mm-hmm. sure. So um, so metadata can be all kinds of things. Um, I mean, it's just data about data, right? So it's just like mm-hmm. how do you describe movies and TV shows? And so uh, Netflix has like thousands and thousands of different kinds of metadata that, um, they're collecting about each movie or show, not about like you, not about like people or like it's, or, you know, only they have the viewership behavior and stuff, but, but that's basically, you know, they're analyzing the viewership behavior based on a lot of different metadata stuff. So, um, they, and a lot of that stuff is, you know, very basic, boring, like, title, runtime, whatever. Um, but then a lot of it is uh, creative information. And that's where like there's a lot of innovative work going on right now, I think, where people are trying to figure out what are the best ways to categorize uh, creative content. And so, like, uh, you know, can we... So the, the most basic version of it is, like, can you t- categorize things into genres, right? So, like, every movie or show has a certain number of genre tags tagged on it. So, like, this movie is a comedy and a drama. Maybe it's a drama and a sci-fi or, you know, whatever. And so, like, those kinds of things help them, you know, put together those algorithms for personalization and, like, where things show up for you um, on the the platform. Um, But in addition to genre, there's, like, a thousand other ways we could try to categorize stories. So, like, we could do it by the characters. We could do it by what kinds of stories are being told. Like, you know, are there just a finite number of stories? Like, how do you bucket all different kinds of stories? So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that, we kind of talk through and figure out um workflows around effectively so like what are the best ways to tag all this stuff Um, and so in a way my position sits between like the actual uh data scientists and engineers Mm -hmm. and the people who are actually putting together the like the the back end of netflix (laughs) and then and then like there's the front end in a way you could say like the people are making the content so like the uh, executives and the you know writers and like I, I, and the producers like all those guys we're kind of in between like explaining one to each other so like we're saying like okay this is how you interpret story information for your algorithms this is how the algorithms work please understand that for your work as well you know so it's like I'm, I'm, we're kind of like explaining it to the
0: each other, algorithm to also me. depends like the so the writing also depends on the algorithm.
1: No, I mean not not in that sense. It's more it's more like um, you know. Th- so there's uh, all kinds of information that's being collected, right? And so in a way, yeah. making stuff for Netflix, you have a bit of an advantage in that there's just an enormous data set to look at. And so yeah. you know, so for the producers, for like the um, developing the executives who are like determining what movies to buy or what stories to develop. um, They can look back at the data set essentially and be like, okay, well, here are certain things that worked in certain areas. Here are certain things that, you know, uh, in, in India, it so happens that like we've never been able to make a show that got this audience to really, you know, so like we, we can see that in the, in the data so like, you know, so now you can think about, okay, what are the kinds of stories that we haven't tried yet in India? Like what are the kind you know, things like that. Um, and so uh, it, it's. I don't. In, in a way, like that's up to them to like determine how to interpret the information. Um, it, it's more like I help them uh, uh, understand like the options, the possibilities. You know. You speak the. You speak the language. I speak their. Yeah. Like, I basically like I can speak enough of both languages. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know. That's uh, we're, we're in between.
0: Yeah. Like a messenger. It's good. It's uh, It's a very interesting job, actually.
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating um, space, and also like I'm in research and development within metadata, so it's it's like um, you know we're coming up with like the new stuff that hasn't really been tested properly yet, or we're working on testing those things. So it's also you know it's 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 fun uh, to like just, it's, it is a creative uh, brainstorming kind of component to it too. So that's cool. Yeah,
0: it it seems like a lot of fun. Also, like um, I am currently um, I have an internship going on. And I am working on data sets and stuff, and learning these things. And and suddenly I realize like uh, that you also have a job on metadata. It's it's very similar to what we are doing. And right now I'm in that space cool. where I have to think that I need to stand financially, and I also have to, yep, you know, satisfy my creative interests. So yeah, yeah, that? maybe join Netflix. Uh,
1: yeah, I I I am a huge advocate for this uh, this career dual path that i feel like i've managed to create Um, it's it's like i I think when i was graduating from film school i remember hearing from some other recent graduates that um, in like years before that there were a lot of jobs in dvd quality control There, there were these people who like you basically like before movies you know were released to the mass market on dvd there'd be people who would just like watch it and like test it and like make sure that all the buttons are working like on the menus and things like that and, like, that's the sort of job that's kind of gone away now, but, like, because, yeah. you know, there's not as many DVDs being sold. But but at the time, like, that was a perfect job for the sort of person who, like, wanted to kind of be involved with doing movie-related stuff, but that just needed to pay the bills. And in the meantime, they were, like, working on their creative pursuits. and Or, like, a lot of, like, editors, post-production people I knew, like, were doing this DVD quality control and then, you, you know, getting their jobs in editing getting started with that and then eventually it would stop the dvd quality controls and so like that with that job gone i almost feel like this is a new version of that and it's it's a much more like interesting version of it because it's all digital and there's so much more you know data to like look through but in the same way we are like you know on the and on the other end of the the filmmaking process you know uh yeah working on there's all this other stuff that can be done once the movie's already made you know and so we're working on that stuff to pay the bills and then we're trying to make this stuff for fun you know
0: this is this is actually this is a really nice balance you have come to your web series was uh, nominated for youtube streamings how was that that was a pleasant experience i hope
1: it was it was very I, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I it I didn't expect it, uh, to, I mean, but yeah, once you get like nominated by YouTube, suddenly it feels like oh, this is like a, people are actually can notice this thing. Um, so that yeah. was, so that was nice. Um, yeah, uh, what was the second part of your question?
0: No, that like it was it must have been pleasant, right? Uh, so YouTube Streamies this year must have been held online, I guess. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, yeah, that was the only unfortunate part. Did you meet like like, anybody else? Uh... Famous? So, sorry, say that again? Like, did you get to meet anybody else, like, uh, famous people?
1: I wish. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> a, that, that was the only bummer about it all being virtual this year, was if we had been nominated in a previous year, there would have been an actual ceremony to go to. We would have been going to the red carpet. And, I mean, like, yeah. technically, like, Will Smith was nominated. So, this, so like, I in theory, like, I could have met Will Smith. I mean, I don't know if he would have <laughs> actually <laughs> attended. Probably not. Uh, but... Uh, you know, so so that's that was too bad. But on the other hand, like if it wasn't virtual this year, I don't know if we would have been nominated because I think it was due to the pandemic that they made it a little bit more of like a democratic process in terms of the voting because I think, because uh, I think I submitted to be uh, nominated or submitted to be um, considered for for free. Whereas like I think it used to be like a big fee uh, that so it used to be like you know only big companies were submitting and things um, because I would never submitted before. Um, and so when I when I found it was free this year, I, was, I just I just did it kind of, you know, why not? Um, but I didn't actually expect anyone to to watch it because a lot of these things, you know, these big, um, you know, big name festivals and things like that, like, you know, anyone could submit, but I I don't believe that they watch every single submission. I mean, they have a lot of. Priority submissions, and so you know they're gonna yeah. give priority those. You know, um, so uh, yeah, I, it was a very cool feeling to be to to be nominated. Uh,
0: yeah, of course. Um, like uh, you did, you like you got nominated, but you did not win. You should have won. <laughs> thank
1: Absolutely. you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we yeah, we at least the one like connection I was able to a little bit make was like some of the other nominees. We you know messaged each other and stuff, so that was nice. Um, and, uh, there was the, the, this like red carpet interview kind of thing that we did, um, online. Um, so that was kind yeah. of fun. Um, I, you know, it would have been more fun to do a red carpet interview in person, but you know,
0: exactly. It's the red carpet. Yeah. And actually this, this is my
1: red carpet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Oh, so like, uh, did you like, cons- uh, did you enjoy writing any one of their, like the most, your most favorite episode of our own consequence? What was it? Yeah, you know,
1: it's funny. They're, they're all like my children. I love them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, uh, I, yeah, there's a few, I guess, like, there's a few that I have special place for. One is, um, uh, it it American Indians, which is one that was filmed half in India. Um, and, yeah. uh, that's because, like, you know, I, it just feels like it's such a much bigger production value in a way. Like, until that point, you know, it's just sitting in Los Angeles with one camera. And then suddenly we have, like, half of the production is in india it suddenly looks like it's big thing um and uh you know granted I, I what it actually was was simply like i was on vacation with my extended family and my cousin just filmed me walking around during the vacation uh but uh but it, you know it really landed this thing and i think it like helped to really solidify this um overall like theme i think in in my work of like this combination between being indian and being american and then but doing it through this This, uh, you know, two minute thing about American Indians, which is Native Americans, which is like an entirely different and yet very related concept. So I I just thought uh, that was a fun like blend of a lot of things that I like about um, about what I'm trying to do in my work, I guess. and, uh, and then the other one, I guess I have a soft spot for, is uh, white girls. Um, and that's-
0: Yeah, that's that's good. It was a good episode. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and that's- the, the shiny objects thing was really, it was like, uh... I mean, <laughs> I still kind of, I mean, I, these are all things I actually think. I <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, Uh, Yeah, that one, I I think, you know, more, more so than even the writing or making of it, like the reaction to it was just really fun. Like, I feel like more, more than any other episode, that's the one that people mentioned to me, um, as, as like the, you know, a lot of times if people have only watched one episode, it'll probably be that one. I mean, I think that probably says more about them than it does about me. They go to the site, that's the only (laughs) one they click on. Fine. Uh, But, but, uh, but I think, uh, it's it's resulted in a lot of like cool conversations and stuff too because you know and I think it has some you know inter- provocative topics about you know interracial dating and stuff too, and uh, and so those result in, in some in some nice conversations sometimes too, uh, so yeah so the, I would say those too but I mean I I, I I like them all I like all of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like in your recent episodes, I felt like Diversity Day was uh, some kind of a milestone because you changed perspectives in that episode. Yeah. Uh, how did that go about? Yeah. How, what was your process?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, I, we decided, so like, so uh, I should definitely mention my friend Jordan Letty, who uh, he and I produced a lot of these episodes together. Um, and so when Jordan and I, after we had finished the first nine, so American Indians was the the last of that set where, where each episode was about two minutes long. Uh, we were thinking, like, we should try to expand on this a bit, like, make something a little bit bigger. Um, you know, we was starting yeah. to get at least a little bit of traction. You know, people seem to be seeing it a little bit online. And and so one of the things we were thinking was, can we make, like, a TV show version of this? Like, can we, you know. Uh, and so we experimented with a few different ideas of what that would look like. And we did ultimately write a half-hour Pilot script, which we have, and my agent has tried to send it out a little bit, and you know nothing has happened yet. But you never know. But in that process, before we got to that, um, one of the ideas we had uh, was that the show would basically be um, not just my internal monologue but a bunch of other people's internal monologues and so and but they would all be like about the same subject and so that we would see different perspectives on the same idea and so we decided okay maybe as a proof of concept of that we'll do one like kind of longer episode of Arun considers where there's not just my perspective and that's how we came up with the idea for the diversity episode Um, and so Mm uh which you know I didn't mention it but like ultimately that's the episode I'm most proud of just because it's like the most um it had the most to it, there was the most moving parts. It was the biggest kind of episode because yeah. um, we are like because it's a much longer. It's a full story that we try to include these like three separate perspectives on the subject, you know. Um, and I feel like it worked well, and I think that's one of the reasons we got nominated for the Streamy this year uh, was probably this episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it came from that sort of practical consideration of like, can we put together some kind of proof of concept of this idea? Of having a larger show where we just show multiple perspectives on the same thing. Now, as we were writing the show, it ended up being something slightly different—the um, the TV pilot version. But I still think, like in future episodes, if we do more Room Consider's episodes, and I think we will—I don't currently have any specific plans for it—but um, I expect we'll do more where there are multiple perspectives, multiple voiceovers, because it's it's fun. I think it's it's cool to uh, not to ju- to get out of my head a little bit and hear a little bit of other people's heads too.
0: Yeah. Uh, so um, okay so here's a writer's question Um, how do you figure that out Uh, you get into other people's heads it's so difficult to understand perspectives in that way like your episode felt more layered than a lot of 3R movies right (laughs) thank you how do you go about that
1: I appreciate that I mean I I think it's Partly like it's helpful to not be writing it all yourself. I mean, so the diversity episode I wrote with Jordan and um, he actually, he happened to be dating this girl at the time, actually who helped inform a lot of uh, what Denise's character, the, the, the black girl, the third, the second of the three um, perspectives in the diversity episode, Um, that character, like, I think a lot of that voiceover came from conversations that he had with, with his girlfriend um, who, who, who was black and was, had some thoughts about uh, some of the things that come up in the show about like, um, you know, tokenism mm-hmm. on television and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think it, partly it's like through having conversations with people that uh, feel like they have a s- stronger insight on this concept than you do, you know? So like I, have my perspectives on diversity and, and, and like, which are what I lay out in that episode about like diversity hiring and things like that. Um, where, but I didn't have like as many strong opinions. Uh, I mean, I have strong opinions, but I, I don't have as many personal opinions, let's say about like the portrayal of African-Americans on television. Cause it's, you know, I, I see it and I see these stereotypes and things, but like, they're not like connected to me personally. So like, I think the key is like, I wanted to hear somebody, who had a more personal sort of visceral reaction to that sort of thing. Um, And then, so, yeah, so I think it's about talking to people, you know? Um, And uh, whereas the boss, the character, that character, I I don't think there was anyone in particular that I had to speak to. I think I just like have interacted with a lot more of those kinds of guys from day to day, just, you know, living in America, (laughs) Uh, like just in my sort of corporate, uh, you know, sort of, places that i've been where there are bosses you know there he's i feel like he's a pretty standard uh you know uh white american boss who's trying to be a nice guy and like i feel like i uh know a lot of those guys so like that was easier to write just from thinking about uh, the the general sort of types of people that I've spoken to, whereas like for the Denise character, because I don't feel like I've interacted with that many people who with that perspective frankly um I needed some more specific conversations to inform it
0: all right um so uh the my list of questions are over, but um like the this was really interesting because um there is a there is a link to what even i like um The metadata and metadata at Netflix is really interesting. And it's a new world over there, right? And it's uh, getting bigger. And uh, I hope to be a part of that someday. So could you give any uh, tips as to how we can do that? Um,
1: I mean, I can tell you sort of my path into it. I don't know if that's necessarily... How people are going to get into it as things go forward, I'll I'll be curious to see. But maybe this will be helpful. I mean, so the way I started was my I had a friend um, who was at USC with me. Actually, he went to Brandeis University with me as well. Um, who was working at Disney, um, and he was a manager at this of this new sort of field, essentially of like collecting metadata at Disney, and he just needed to hire a bunch of like contractors because the initial work was just like kind of, it's very detail-oriented, like sort of task-oriented kind of work. That's not really like full-time job work. It was like, we need somebody to just like watch a show and tag a bunch of things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so so I think a lot of people, and I think it's true at Netflix too, a lot of people started out um, as these contractors who were just kind of uh, asked to tag a particular show, tag a particular movie and then just tag a bunch of them. And I just tag as many as you can. And eventually there's just like so much content that they're tagging that like either it becomes a full-time job or they like have gotten so into the process that they can now have something to say about it and kind of move up to a sort of more leadership kind of position in there. So like when I was doing the contract work for Disney for about a year and a half, by the time that year and a half was over, um, like I was one of the like six of the only people who knew about this metadata thing that disney was doing so suddenly like um we all of us who had started with it um were the most informed people about it and so you know we were able to kind of inform the way the project grew and developed um and so then i kind of became part of this like brain trust at at, at disney where we were developing this stuff um and then so once i had that experience then it Uh, you know, by the time I got to Netflix, I was like one of the only people at Netflix who had prior experience even doing this tagging stuff at a different company. Um, So I I think like if you can find jobs like these sort of contractor jobs where, um, you know, there are, because I bet like every media company is doing, every big media company must be doing some version of this right now where they just need a lot of people to like watch a lot of stuff and tag a bunch of things about them um and like when you and so once you start doing that kind of work like i imagine you you know get to understand the world's metadata a little more and then you i don't know this part like how do you actually make that transition from being that person who just does the tagging to the person who's like you know making decisions i guess um but uh i imagine that path will be formed in a more sort of uh legitimate way as the field continues to develop, you know, like, I think it's all still pretty, uh, new. So, so there's still kind of, um, I think figuring out what an actual career in it looks like. Cause like, I, I don't know exactly what the advancement opportunities are within the world of metadata from here. I mean, as far as I know, other than just like management. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which I honestly, I'm not even that interested in being a manager. So, um, mm-hmm. it's, so it's it's just you know we're playing it by ear, kind of I, I'm 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 growing along with this industry you know still figuring it out. Yeah, uh,
0: I mean, yeah, sure. Um, so how difficult was the pandemic uh, when it hit the film industry? Did did you how affected were you? Did you did you have the job at Netflix then?
1: I did very luckily. I mean, I. You know, it's funny. So, like, I I started working at Netflix in September of 2019, um, and mm-hmm. at the time, you know, it was a bit of a decision to make for me because I was like, I was at the, I w- had the job at Disney, um, which was, you know, giving me enough time to do like the writing and the unconsidered stuff, um, but it wasn't like, you know, paying me quite well enough, and so was, so I was kind of like making this okay am I gonna switch over to this like much bigger job but that's gonna mean like a lot less time to do my creative stuff um but yeah. I mean March came around the following year and I was like so glad that I took the job because um you know if like for one thing of course I'd like the job quite a bit but even if I hadn't I mean the fact that I had a steady job when the pandemic hit in in Hollywood uh was very rare I mean like so many people i know were suddenly out of work um because like there are no productions happening um and mm-hmm. uh and a lot of people who are trying to break into the film industry are also working service jobs and all those service jobs stopped happening because like a lot of restaurants had to shut down and the movie theaters shut down and so like yeah it was whereas like you know people like me who just happen to have an office job sec- essentially like we're fine so like i and especially a place like netflix which was set up to be you know, to be able to work remotely already. Like, so, so like they were kind of well set up for it. So I was able to just like immediately transition to just working from home, um, which, you know, honestly, I could have been working from home already is like what this sort of exposed. And I think it exposed that for a lot of people working at tech companies, especially. Um, and so like, we'll see how things go. I mean, people going back to the office. I mean, I do hope to go back to the, to the Netflix offices, mainly because they're really nice and they have free food and stuff. So uh, I like, I like going there. Um, but, uh, But otherwise, I mean, other than not having free meals every day, which honestly is the biggest thing I lost, um, like I I feel I feel pretty okay, You know, like I was lucky um, in terms where where I was in my life with the pandemic, because if it had happened a couple of years prior, I don't know, I would probably had to move to back to my parents' house in Atlanta or something, because like so my parents used uh, I grew up in Connecticut my parents live in Atlanta now um and uh so it wouldn't have been so bad there's actually like a lot of filming happening there too um and so I bet I could have found something related to film work there but it would have been such a downgrade in my life you know um to so so like I I feel really lucky you know thankful that I that I got this job when I did yeah like uh of
0: course luck plays a huge role in it and um and it's uh, it's difficult to uh, to strike that balance sometimes and uh, you did it and it served you well during the pandemic and uh, yeah nobody knew it was coming and
1: yeah.
0: it was it, it, i guess it was very lucky so all right uh, arun uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us for the podcast it was lovely talking to you it was great talking all to you guys day. too it was awesome So that was the show. Thank you so much for listening in and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.